0: Grandpa's Gift – A So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 There's only one thing that beats the feeling of receiving a really thoughtful gift, and that is the incomparable pleasure of giving someone you love a special gift. Grandpa's Gift is a moving tale about the power of giving and the realization that when we give, we get back so much more.
1: Black X's on a calendar march relentless towards a date that's been circled, colored, starred, highlighted, and deemed to celebrate. It's been a ritual for weeks, this month so studied and so scanned, with the passing days each noted by a boy's impatient hand. Hanging on the fridge, those X's form a steady line that lead directly to this morning, the last day Ryan will be nine. Tomorrow is his birthday, and he can hardly stand to wait. Have a party, open presents, blow out candles, eat some cake, everyone will be there. Come to sing and honor him, all his family, all his friends, and of course, his grandpa Jim. He's come to every celebration, long as Ryan can remember. New Year's Eve, Thanksgiving, Easter, every Christmas in December. Ryan loves his Grandpa Jim. Though at every celebration, the gifts he gives, well, they lack fun or much imagination. Last year, he opened school supplies, a pair of wool long johns. The year before, a lunchbox and two U.S. savings bonds. Ryan dreams about his presence, entertains excited whims. He can't wait to tear them open. Well, all except for Grandpa Jim's. Now, not far across town, in a modest home, this morning will awaken with the smell of coffee, toast, and jam, two eggs, and crispy bacon. At a little kitchen table sits a man, gray-haired and slim, sips his coffee, reads his paper, another day for Grandpa Jim. He finishes his breakfast, puts the dishes in the sink, and moves into his study, for he needs to sit and think. He settles in his favorite chair, and soon he's stumped and sighing, for he must choose a birthday gift to give his grandson, Ryan. He's seen the disappointed looks his grandson has displayed the last few birthdays he's been to, so he feels a bit dismayed. So many things to think about, and so many he's got wrong. So hard to live these last few years with his Madeline now gone. She would always choose the gifts. They'd wrap up for the kids. He misses her so very much and all the things she did. He smiles just at the thought of her and speaks these words out loud. Well, Maddie, guess it's now my turn. I'll try and make you proud. A present really meaningful. It's not the price or wealth. Something that says you're special and his eyes wander to a shelf. It's there he keeps his precious things, gifts from his dad and mom, some photographs and medals from his time in Vietnam. A little fishing box contains his favorite lures and hooks, some postcards and a wristwatch, sit beside a stack of books. And it's the books that catch his eye that give him inspiration. He rises and lays hands upon one special publication. It's Treasure Island, he selects his favorite as a boy how nice if ryan came to love this book i've so enjoyed long john silver captain flint jim hawkins buried treasure i've read this book a dozen times and loved it without measure i think this is the perfect gift i'll wrap it carefully why it feels like giving ryan just a little piece of me Well, back at Ryan's house, all the balloons have been inflated, the cake is done, the streamers hung, a birthday sign's been painted, chairs and tables readied, hot dogs waiting to be grilled, and lots of paper towels on hand case anything is spilled. This party organized just like a military coup and arranged in perfect order till there's nothing left to do. And as the day turns into evening, like a mountain vast and steep, comes Ryan's greatest challenge. He must somehow fall asleep. Well, after agonizing effort, he accomplishes his aim. Now he dreams of action figures, baseball gloves, and video games. Meanwhile, in his study, Grandpa Jim prepares his gift, his beloved treasure island to his grandson he will shift. But before the book is bundled up in paper, tape, and bow, he writes down in the flyleaf words he wants the boy to know. And when he's satisfied, he's done the best that he is able. He wraps the book as Maddie smiles from a frame upon the table. The early rays of sunlight seek to pass the bedroom shade. Ryan's long been up and dressed. His room is clean. His bed is made. Breakfast passes quickly, and the house soon comes alive when finally the clock strikes noon and the birthday guests arrive. Hot dogs disappear. The day's in full swing party mode. A donkey gets a winning tail. a pinata spills its load. Candles are extinguished with a silent secret wish, and everyone has birthday cake with ice cream in a dish. Then at last arrives the moment Ryan's long been waiting for, when they move into the living room, filled with birthday gifts galore. Presents wrapped like royalty, their fate they can't avoid, as paper, ribbons, bows, and bags are plundered and destroyed. Legos, board games, Star Wars sheets, a soccer ball and goal, a race car and a helicopter, both remote control. Comic books, Batman and Thor, a football and a tee, a hockey stick and rollerblades, two dozen DVDs. Gift after gift emerging from a pile so tall and wide, admired for a moment, and then quickly set aside. The cavalcade of opulence surprises Grandpa Jim, and he wonders, will his grandson ever find the one from him? till finally from the massive stack a small flat gift is skimmed, the tag attached announcing that it comes from Grandpa Jim. Ryan smiles and then proceeds to quickly tear the paper, and Grandpa Jim's anticipation dissolves, just like a vapor. For though Ryan says a thank you as he holds the cherished book, his tone is forced and wooden, and there's that familiar birthday look. I loved that book when I was ten, I hope that you do too. I've written something special on the inside just for you. Ryan gets up from his chair, gives Grandpa Jim a hug, and as he grabs another gift, sets Treasure Island on the rug. The opening goes on and on, but Ryan never tarries till under all the birthday wrap, the novel now is buried. As the final gift emerges from a decorated box, it's quite anticlimactic, being underwear and socks. <laughs> but Ryan doesn't mind it, for the hall is quite extensive. A couple may be duds, but most are awesome and expensive. The partygoers cheer and then begin to say goodbyes. Coats and gloves are being put on. Kids are calling home for rides. Grandpa Jim moves to the doorway, giving hugs to all his kin. Ryan hugs him back and says, Thanks for the story, Grandpa Jim. You're welcome, Ryan, and don't forget, your grandma loved you too. I think she would be pleased to know I gave that book to you. He said goodbye, walked to his car, and as he zipped his vest, he softly whispers, Madeline, I surely did my best. But no one heard these words he said except the stars and sky. He slips behind the wheel and makes his way home with a sigh. As Grandpa Jim drives through the night and Ryan takes a bath, Mom and Dad, exhausted, face the birthday aftermath. Paper plates and pop balloons, limp streamers gently flapping, leftover cake and dogs and drinks and tons of birthday wrapping. Mom starts in the kitchen. Ryan's dad picks up the trash, beginning with a pile of paper near the presents stash. He fills up seven garbage bags, which takes a little while. All the time, he never notices treasure islands in that pile. Paper, boxes, ribbons, bags make up the refuse mix with grandpa's now forgotten book buried neatly in bag six. That precious gift of grandpa's love and all it had to say now sits out on the sidewalk and tomorrow's garbage day. A frosty early morning, Gives the neighborhood a hug as wisps of aromatic steam rise from a travel coffee mug. Seated snugly in the cab of a battered gray machine, a man attempts to thwart the cold wrapped in a heavy coat and jeans. Glove encumbered fingers grip a well worn steering wheel. Like an overworked accordion, the brakes protest and squeal. The stops and goes are frequent, house by house, they long repeat as we recognize the trash man coming slowly down the street. He works with practice rhythm, climbing in and climbing out, each movement so familiar as he accomplishes his route. The repetition of his task is like a chain with endless links. It occupies his body, leaving lots of time to think. His thoughts this chilly morning are all centered on a boy, thoughts that are a mixture of keen sadness and great joy. Photos fill the Spartan cab on the dashboard and the visor where he placed them one by one like the treasure of a miser. The first is now a decade old, so faded and so worn, sent to him by his daughter shortly after Luke was born. Thereafter, each November, he'd receive one in the mail, the annual reminder of the family that he'd failed. The memories are disjointed, fractured, compromised, and mottled. He'd lost them when he'd slowly disappeared into a bottle. Though time and faith had healed him from the curse that he'd been under, the damage ran too deep, and his family still remained asunder. So the season comes again, just like a sad routine, the birthday of his grandson Luke, who he's never held or seen. He'd like to give a present just to say, I think of you, but his wallet's flat and empty and his rent is overdue. So his hope dissolves in silence like the flicking of an ash as he exits from the truck to empty someone else's trash. Now the mountain on the sidewalk is impressive in its scale. There's a mound of gleaming trash bags like a beached and bloated whale, Strong hands grab zip-tied plastic, and his knees and back complain. He moves them two by two until a single bag remains. He nabs the lone survivor now to make this stop complete. Then the bottom of it fails and spills the contents in the street. He grits his teeth and bears them like an angry alligator. He'd like to swear, but he'd only have to ask forgiveness later. So for stalling the commitment of a sin, he must confess, he bends his tired body and he gathers up the mess. Then something hard and heavy at the bottom is discovered. It's a book, the title bearing Treasure Island on the cover. He pauses in his work and feels a warmth from head to toe as he's taken to a memory many, many years ago. His family had just moved into a house far out of town, His mom and dad both working meant that no one was around. Treasure Island was his savior. He would read out on the lawn with his back against a tree until his loneliness was gone. He'd turn the yellowed pages till he'd finally reached the end, then flip back to page one and start the story all over again. He followed this routine just like a repetitious drummer and found his solace in that book that long ago and lonely summer. He quickly finished picking up the spillage in the street, climbed in the cab, and placed the book beside him on the seat. After many hours of work, he drove the truck back to the barn, clocked out, and caught his bus with Treasure Island neath his arm. Then reaching his apartment, moving up the steps by twos, he hangs his heavy coat, puts away his battered shoes. This often lonely room now feels as if it's had a lift. He's so happy he can think that he can give Luke a birthday gift. But what to do for paper? He's no wrapping and no money. It's then he spies the folded and forgotten Sunday funnies. Beetle Bailey, Charlie Brown, Garfield, and Marmaduke brightly embrace this special present that he now intends for Luke. He pulls a piece of ribbon from around a box of candy and ties a bow where Doonesbury meets little orphan Annie. Now, once the book is wrapped and tied, he makes a little card. He tries to write what's in his heart, but his words come slow and hard. There's so much he wants to tell him. There's so much he wants to say. But his efforts coldly stifled as regret gets in the way. After pausing many moments over that promise-laden note, to Luke with love from Grandpa were all the words he wrote. He eats a bite of dinner, just some stew right from the can, Redons his coat and shoes, the birthday present in his hands. Walks down to the corner where the bus stop can be found, and it's there he starts his journey to the other side of town. It takes some time to travel as three transfers are required to the final destination Treasure Island has inspired. His daughter's house seems tiny from his view across the street. Many nights he stood here watching where the light and shadows meet. He imagines all the life those walls could lovingly confide. In his mind, it's so familiar, yet he's never been inside. He walks across the avenue where he's never walked before, and silently he leans the present up against the door. He pauses there a moment just to try to catch a voice. As he turns and walks away, his eyes are glistening and moist. He climbs back in the bus. The empty seats serve to remind him, of what awaits him when he gets home as the doors swing closed behind him. The faint glow of a television casts uncertain light as a woman settles back to finally ease into the night. Dinner has been eaten, all the dishes have been done. This lone figure at the table doing homework is her son. She ignores the glowing screen and simply watches him instead. The way he holds his pencil, bends his elbow, tilts his head, Has it really been a decade? Is that birthday really here? So much life has come and gone. So many smiles, so many tears. It's never been too easy and she does the best she can. The birthday celebration, just a simple, modest plan. Some pizza and a movie and a trip to the arcade. Thank goodness for the timing because tomorrow she gets paid. Luke never gives her trouble. She's never heard him once complain. Yet a burden rests upon her like a heavy, heavy chain. To love him as a parent, she must be both mom and dad. She strives to build a home life like the one she never had. He'll never have to wake to angry voices in the hall or wonder if she's there or if she's coming home at all. She offers up a prayer that God will always keep and bless as Luke writes out an essay on the Gettysburg Address. A sound gains her attention and makes her quickly turn her head. Their cat is pawing at the door and is wanting to be fed. She gathers up to rise to get his bowl and pop a tin, but Luke is up before her. You just chill. I'll let him in. The cat careens into the room with an ungrateful feline hiss, while Luke exclaims as he looks down, Hey now, what is this? He kneels down in the doorway and retrieves a heavy object, sporting a funny bow and wrapped up in the Sunday comics. Luke pulls the card that's tucked between the ribbon and the wrap. It says that it's from Grandpa, and he tears a gaping flap. His mother stands uneasy. This surprise is unexpected. Though he's tried to reconcile her father's efforts, she's rejected. She knows that he has changed and made a better, honest start, but she can't seem to forgive him nor to open up her heart. But she sees the keen excitement showing in her child's face as he rips aside the paper in elation and in haste. And when the Sunday funnies lie in pieces on the floor, she sees a look of wonder that she's never seen before. Luke holds a sturdy book, sighs as if it's made of gold. She sees his treasure island spelled in letters, big and bold. She remembers how her father once had talked about that book when she'd mixed up Long John Silver in her mind with Captain Hook. He laughed and shook his head and then he took her by the hand and explains one Treasure Island and the other's Peter Pan. That memory overcomes her, takes her backwards to a time when her father was her hero and her love was pure and blind. She is shaken from her reverie by Luke's impassioned voice The book he holds is open, and his eyes read and rejoice. Grandpa's written something. It's inside here on this page. He carries the book to her. Its cover creased and worn by age. She opens to the fly leaf, runs her fingers through Luke's hair, and slowly reads the words a steady hand has written there. This book is for my grandson, who I love with all my heart. May your life be filled with laughter, every blessed, joyous part. And please enjoy this story. There's adventure in each line. I hope it touches your life just as much as it has mine. So have a happy birthday, and may God your dreams fulfill, and know your grandpa loves you, and I always, always will. Her eyes grow bright and glistening, and her hand moves to her throat. Ryan's just ecstatic at the words his grandpa wrote. And so, she doesn't tell him. She suspects he'll never look at the difference in the handwriting between the note card and the book. But somehow it doesn't matter, for she finds somehow she knows if he'd pinned the words there written, he would have chosen those. Her heart so cold and empty when she thought about her dad now held a tiny ember, and that ember made her glad. Handing Luke his present, he sits down to read alone as she rummages through the address book and then picks up the phone. She hears the distant ringing and then his voice, and this felt right. Hi, Dad, it's me, Melinda. Are you free tomorrow night? Epilogue. A gentle rain is falling, makes the roadway gleam and shine. Windshield wipers beat and seem to mark the passing time. A man drives on alone, the seatbelt next to him is slack, and passing headlights shine upon empty car seats in the back. This commute, so like a ritual, the turns so automatic, the road signs all are memorized like heirlooms in an attic. The time to come is precious, so important, dear to him, as Ryan travels through the night to visit Grandpa Jim. The years have passed so quickly. Youthful minds don't comprehend that life is full of seasons and each season has its end. The things you take for granted come and go just like a whim. So it is with people and so it is with Grandpa Jim. The gift that is his grandfather he's never fully grasped. Past days are bagged and buried like decorations in the trash. They can't be resurrected But they can be newly won. The days that we regret can make so sweet the days to come. For time brings understanding when the pieces seem to fit, when the fires of keen discernment and maturity are lit. And so it was for Ryan, as he aged and as he grew and came to know the greatest gift that he ever knew. When Ryan became married, loved a woman to his core, He understood the meaning of the ring that Grandpa wore. When he became a father, newfound love began to reach him, casting light upon the lessons Grandpa Jim had tried to teach him. The family is a present, wrapped up for the ones we know. Treasured moments are the ribbon, and our memories are the bow. So he drives on through the night, ignores the stubborn urge to sleep, for in a window waits a silhouette, and he has promises to keep. A parking lot half empty yields a close inviting space. His car between the lines feels like a welcoming embrace. He greets attending nurses, signs the registration book. He's waiting for your visit over in the breakfast nook. Ryan smiles and says a thank you. He's so sweet when you come by, insisting that we help him dress up in a coat and tie. Moving down the hallway, Ryan knows he'll find him there, sweetly looking out the window, sitting in his favorite chair. The smile that he receives, the hearty hug that he has given, is worth ten times the hours and all the miles that he has driven. Settling near his grandpa, splendid in his suit and cap, his right hand holds his tea; his left hand rigid in his lap. The stroke that took his speech that manifested last July is routed and defeated by the pleasure in his eyes. Ryan brought him fresh baked cookies and new frame photos of the girls. And one more thing to share as their now sacred time unfurls. Crossing legs and donning glasses under a warm, expectant look, Ryan smiles and nods to Grandpa as he opens up a book. So our story comes full circle, and no part is left undone. Are you ready, Grandpa Jim? Treasure Island, Chapter 1.
0: We are all familiar with the phrase, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, verse 35. When you are a child, it can be hard to grasp the truth of this phrase, as most of your life experience has revolved around you getting your needs met. I can remember hearing that phrase as a kid and thinking, yeah, right. Then it happens. It may be Christmas, Mother's Day, or a birthday. It may be directed toward a parent, sibling, or grandparent. It's that first opportunity you have to give something meaningful to someone you love. It may be a bloopy ashtray made as a school art project, or something special that you saved up your nickels, dimes, and quarters to buy. But that first experience when you feel the genuine appreciation of the recipient can stay with you your entire life. Just as any good parent would, God the Father affirms the behaviors He wants to see practiced by His children. I believe that God gives us this blessing of giving to help us grasp a small fraction of the love He has for us as He gave the greatest gift of all—His Son, Jesus. What a gift! What a giver! What a God!